ready to sing with us? Come on, let's stand together. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Let's sing about it. Sing it out.
God, you are great. You are worthy of our praise this morning. God, would you turn our eyes toward you, turn our hearts toward you, help us to just focus in on you this morning uh, so that we may receive the life that you want to give us. Um, we're gathered in your name and for your glory. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, Fellowship Bentonville. How are y'all doing? Y'all enjoying the, the new summer rhythm? Maybe a little, little less crazy, frantic, frenzic pace? I am too. Um, hey, this is one of my favorite mornings, really, of the month. It's our first Sunday. It's one of my favorite rhythms because this is a morning where we get to worship as a student ministry, all of our 7th through 12th grade in the room with you all. And um, just want to say, and we've been saying it for a year, but thank you for letting us be a part of these mornings. I actually think it's a really beautiful picture of the church as a multi-generational family as far as discipleship goes. Um, and we just love being in here with you in this room. If y'all have it yet, you can grab your rhythms books because we're in the rhythm study over the summer, either digitally, online, or in the back booth. And now I'm holding up an old copy because I first went through this study in 2018 as a ministry resident, which means I had one year um, with the Fayetteville team, actually, as a student pastor to learn what it was like to be in vocational ministry. And going through the study for the first time when Mosaic produced it um, back in 2017 or 18 when they did, um, it, it like actually changed my life. And as, a, as a, a partner to the scripture, it was the first time coming out of college and entering into a new season of work and marriage and following Jesus that I was given I was given some words on what it looks like to actually live in life in communion with Jesus, what a rhythm of life in the spirit with him could actually look like. And it was teaching me how to pray in more depth or how to celebrate or how to give generously. It actually taught me to fast for the first time. I was like, we can do that here in the West? And it's like, yes, we can. Jesus did it. And um, so I just, I want this to be in your hands because I think it's a really valuable resource. Also, if you are leading a family, if you have junior high kids or high school kids or even little kids, or if you lead a community group or you're mentoring somebody, this is my favorite resource when it comes to discipleship apart from the Bible. So this plus the Bible is my all-time favorite resource for discipleship. I've led countless students and, and young college leaders through this study just as a kind of an invitation into a life of, of rhythm with God and his spirit. And so... Um, that's my big push. You don't have to get one. I just highly recommend it because I really love this book. If you are a woman in the room, if you're female, we have a lot of summer opportunities for you. I don't know all the details, so we have a QR code. Um, if you're interested in anything that women's community is doing for summer studies um, or, or time together, you can scan that and get all the information that you need. Um, we also, making sure I have everything here, yes, we also have a baptism this morning. And um, if you will, you can look over at the baptismal, and this is Will Carmichael. Will is gonna be baptized by two of his cell group leaders. Um, this, this picture here is just a model that I get so, so excited about. But Aaron, Aaron's one of his leaders, and he wants to share a little bit about Will's life change story, and then Brian is gonna actually baptize him. And so Aaron, um, go for it, my friend. Yeah, uh, good morning, fellowship. Uh, this is such an honor, such a, a beautiful moment um, to just celebrate um, what the Lord's done in Will's life. Uh, first of all, just been a cell group leader for a little bit. We sat down a couple weeks ago just to talk about, like, what, what does this mean? What's the way of declaring publicly um, before the people, um, the family, the body? Uh, what does it mean? Um, and asked about a story, and he told me that um, he was at New Life uh, this summer, New Life Ranch, 
um, and in a worship service, um, was just listening to the words that he was saying, um, listening to the words that he was singing, and just felt that, like, man, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is real. There's something different here. Um, and I didn't know him then. I'm a relatively new addition to the cell group. Um, but then after the fact, having heard that, everything I saw and heard about Will um, leading up to that point made sense. When I heard of that moment um, at New Life, everything that, made, that I got to experience with him as a young man up to that point made sense. Um, this man is incredibly zealous. Um, he loves the Lord, um, and he loves people well, especially the guys in our cell group. Um, I, there are few, few people that I've seen who wear their hunger for the Lord on the outside, and Will does that. Um, he often asks me for books to read and different things, and right now he's reading one on prayer um, and learning what it looks like to develop your relationship with the Lord um, in a different way through prayer, which I think we'll hear about today. Um, so, Will, what an amazing thing. It is such an honor just to see you celebrate and to lead our cell group um, along with us. Big love to you, man. I want to read this passage um, just real fast as a blessing over you. Families, you can come and join us up. And the cell boys, come on. Um, this is from Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 17. I pray that the Father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope that he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for those who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he extended in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. This is what we celebrate in baptism. Will, we talked about this all year in cell group, and here we are in front of friends and family, in front of the cell group, in front of this body of believers. In are you here to proclaim today Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And are you here to, to, to proclaim that you want to take up his cross and follow him every day for the rest of your life? Well, it's out of that confession and that proclamation that I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk a new life. Well, it's through celebration, contemplation, and everything in between that that is an invitation into life with communion with God. And that's what I hope we can accomplish every single, every single time we gather here and really every single day as we learn to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And so this morning as we talk about and learn about uh, prayer, as we worship God through prayer and through songs that are modeled off of prayers, um, there'll be a few times on the screen the word Selah will come up. And that's a, that's a word that you'll find in your Psalms, uh, oftentimes in the Psalms that are written as music for the people of God as they as they proclaim the goodness of the one that they serve. And it's, it's written in the Psalms there as a moment to pause and to reflect on what was just said. And so it's, it's almost like a written in reminder to let what was just written about or proclaimed as the people, whatever was happening in that moment, to, to let it really sink in. And so we're gonna have some times throughout the service where we're gonna, ha- we're gonna have those moments, those Selah moments of let that sink in. And so to begin our morning together, as we celebrate and as we worship and as we, we come to God in thanks and gratitude, 
I want us to do two things. One, I'd like us to all take a big, deep breath together. I'll lead us through it. As just a way to recenter our minds and our bodies on, onto Jesus. We have to do this a lot in FSM, maybe because we're seventh through 12th graders, but I think it's a really helpful practice. And so let's begin by taking a deep breath, and then I'm gonna pray a prayer over us to invite us into a time of Selah. Let's breathe in. And then pray with me. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, and to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. Thank you. 
stand with us and read this prayer along with me. O Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we could give could match your great gifts to us, your Son and your Spirit.
it is good for us to gather and sing of your goodness. It's good for your people to gather and hear our brothers and sisters declare the same truths that are coming from our lips. It's edifying. And we're grateful to do that today. Lord, tune our ears and our hearts to be obedient to what you call us to. Not out of compulsion or obligation, but in joy. Knowing the fullness that comes at the other end of obedience. Thank you for giving us your word and for showing us how to walk in the way of everlasting life. Give us the courage and the obedience to walk your way today. We receive from you, Lord. We're ready to listen. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hi, Fellowship family. This is Pastor Matt Hodges from Wind First Assembly of God. I just wanted to send a heartfelt thank you for your donation and gift to our community here in Wynn. Uh, behind me is a house of one of our members of our church. And as you can see, it's been pretty devastated from the tornado, pretty much a total loss. And because of your generosity and your help, we were able to gift this family some money to help them with their immediate needs and other families just like the jumpers uh, with needs in their own lives. And so we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart. And we're so glad that we're a part of the family of God. Hey, Fellowship Church. My name is Jeff Redding and I'm on staff at Pine Lake Church in Mississippi. And I wanted to reach out and just say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Not too long ago, tornadoes wreaked havoc across our state, and it wasn't very long after that. One of your elders, Mickey Rapier, he reached out and wanted to know how you guys could pray for us, but he also sent us a very generous gift on your behalf that's gone to families and people all across our state directly that were impacted by those tornadoes. We've been able to tell them there's a church in Northwest Arkansas that believes what we believe, that there's a God in the heavens who loves them. We've been able to take them the love of Jesus because of your generosity. It overwhelmed us, it encouraged us, and it just reminded us we're not in this alone. So it's a privilege for us and an honor really to partner with you to see the kingdom come and to bring the love of Jesus to people that are hurting. And so I just wanted to say thank you for your generosity. Pray you never stop being a generous church. And I hope you have a great week. Thank you for your generosity. Over the last, I guess, several months, uh, six to eight months, you have given uh, over $200,000 that uh, we've been able to distribute to people who are dealing with natural disasters, uh, earthquakes, Turkey, tornadoes, Mississippi, Little Rock, wind, and uh, have a couple here on the screen. Uh, you see Pastor Hodges there with this couple. Uh, they, both of these families lost their homes. They had no insurance. Uh, you can see the gentleman there in the brace. He was uh, over his children, was blown out of the house. It broke his back. Uh, they had nothing. And so after we had, we had helped uh, in that area, but I contacted uh, Pastor Hodge, who was the pastor of one of our young ladies that work in our Fellowship Fayetteville office and on the campus down there. 
and I was able to connect with him, and we found those families, and uh, they have been just blown away. We were able to significantly help them get into another home. And so I just want to say thank you for your generosity because it's making a difference in the lives of others. We don't keep our disaster relief portal open all the time. Uh, we just wait until something happens, and then we open it up, and you're able to make donations. And then we find a partner on the ground that we can work with, like Pastor Hodge, like uh, Pastor Redding, and they're able to get those funds directly uh, to people in need. So thank you, and let's celebrate that together. Because you did it. You did it along with all the other campuses. Everybody donates to the same thing. And, and uh, it's pretty incredible what we're able to accomplish in people's lives. We are in the starting blocks, as Kyle mentioned just a few minutes ago, of our rhythm series to help all of us draw nearer to God. We all want that, right? Yes, we want to draw nearer to God. And so this series will help us to do that. And we are going to focus on prayer today. We're going to focus on prayer. At the end of the service, at the end of the service, and I pray, I'm not going to say amen because it's not over. I know Greek is for grabbing your purse and all your stuff and getting out of here as quickly as possible. Uh, but I want you to stay for a while. Stay for a while because Seth and the crew are going to be leading us through a time of prayer and meditation on the scripture. And I, I think you will really, I know you will really enjoy that time because I got to enjoy it in the last service. Hey, let's admit from the start, we all need to pray more, yes? Okay, then we're all in this together. So I'm not pointing out anybody. We're all in this together. We need to pray more. So, do you pray outside of like praying for a meal? Do you have a regular rhythm of your prayer life of praying for difficult things? Do you thank God for all he's done for you? Just have a regular set time to do that? If not, then let's work on that today of establishing that time of daily prayer. It's one of the most crucial disciplines. And it's a privilege for every believer to be able to come into the presence of God and know that he never turns his face away. He is always listening, always responding. And if Satan can convince you that you don't have time to pray, then he's going to undermine your ability to be effective for Christ. So we're going to discuss having a rhythm of sincere, consistent, persistent prayer and talking with God. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be if you want to start making your way there. Uh, but there are a lot of powerful prayers in the Bible. In reading and examining these prayers, you're going to find that these people of God were just talking to him. They're talking to him. Sometimes they're praising him. Sometimes they're asking for forgiveness. Sometimes they're praying for their people. Uh, but some of these prayers, the longest prayer in the Bible is found in, in Nehemiah chapter 9. And then there was the prayer of Jabez. Many of you have written that, uh, read that book, the, the prayer of Jabez, a, a powerful prayer. Oh, Lord, that you would bless me indeed. That's in 1 Chronicles 4. The prayers of Hezekiah in 2 Kings, protecting them from the Assyrians and for the extension of his life. 
2 Kings 19 and 20. The prayer of Hannah for a child, 1 Samuel 2. The prayer of Daniel for the forgiveness of the nation in Daniel chapter 9. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Because at the end of his prayer, an angel comes to him in swift flight and tells him, your prayer has been heard. Wow. It's a beautiful scene. The prayer of Solomon for wisdom in 1 Kings 3. The prayer of Jonah in Jonah chapter 2 for deliverance. Get me out of this face. The prayers of Jesus in the Gospels, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. The prayer of Stephen is meaningful to me in Acts chapter 7 where he's praying and asking God to forgive those who are in the process of stoning him to death. What an amazing prayer. And in that prayer, we see the only time in the scriptures Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It was like he stood up as he watched Stephen being stoned and waiting for him to enter his presence. An incredible picture. So there are a lot of prayers in the Bible that you would do well to study. There are many aspects of prayer, but today we focus on the discipline of persistent prayer. Persistent in two ways. Uh, persistent here is Jesus, uh, he's concluding the Sermon on the Mount in chapters, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but he's wrapping it up. Persistent in the rhythm of your prayer life to have that daily time with God. I tell our staff here, we don't get days off on the word and prayer. It's not three days a week or five days a week. It's seven. It's seven because we never need to be out of the presence of God. And then two, the persistent petitioning of God for needs and requests. God doesn't tire of your repetition. Remember, he, he's aware of your needs before you ask him. He never says, oh, not that again. No, he doesn't tire of your repetition. You're not going to bother him. Because it is in the communion of prayer that God communicates his presence to us. Did you get that? It's in the communion of prayer that God communicates his presence to us. In Matthew 7, 7, a verse from our text today, Jesus tells us that in prayer that we are to ask, seek, and knock. In the Greek, these are present imperatives. When we say imperative, you know what that means. It's command. We're supposed to do it. It's an expectation that we would pray. He's not saying, well, you might consider. No. He's saying that we are to pray. And it's also present, a present imperative. And so he is saying to you, keep on asking, or keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Just continue, 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 continue to do it. Ask him. If, let me ask you a question. If your child or your grandchild were very ill, would you just pray for them one time and say, okay, that's it. I did it. That's all I need to do. No, you wouldn't do that. You would passionately pray for them around the clock every time they came to your mind. Oh, Lord, please. And that's the way it should be. We need the presence of God in our lives every hour. The old hymn, 
used to say it so clearly to us. I need thee, oh, I need thee. This is not a solo. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to Now I want you to do something different. I want you to sing it this time, but sing it as a prayer. You, just focus to the Lord saying those words. So many of our songs are prayers. Let's do it again. I need thee, oh I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. That last line. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. It's that idea of surrender. Lord, I'm giving up myself for what you want to do in my life. I love that. The lady that wrote that, that was the focus of her thought that day. That she just realized she needed the Lord every hour. And so she sat down and pinned the words to that old hymn. That's what we need. Every hour is Jesus and that discipline of a sincere, consistent, persistent time of prayer. Without it, we lose perspective on life and we live from worry to worry and fear to fear. And that's a miserable way to live, isn't it? But some, some people like to be miserable. It seems that they like to be miserable. And so I'm going to give you some tips today on how to be miserable. Okay, here we go. Number one, get all your information from the media. Okay, watch, watch the news media all day long. You know, and just get all your information from them. And then go to the internet when you want to take a break. Go to the internet because if it's on the internet, it's true, right? And then you can do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Ding Dong, whatever else is out there. Get all your information from there. And if you do that all day long, every day, you'll be mad enough to bite somebody. That's one way to be miserable. Get all your information from the media. Number two, always assume the worst. If some, someone does something horrible, just assume you're going to be next. If an earthquake happens on the other side of the world, it's going to happen here next. We just, you know, just assume the worst in everything. 1974, three girls in Tennessee robbed a store. Then they made their way through Arkansas. In the middle of Arkansas, they were pulled over. They killed a state trooper, shot him with his own service weapon, and then ran over him. And then they got off the interstate and went down a little dirt road to a, a little house in the Brown Grove community where my mother, I mean my grandmother and my aunt and my uncle were. And they kidnapped them. And they went on a wild ride with them. Police were chasing them, all this stuff. And they finally stopped them and they caught them and had, had the big showdown and all that. And they 
sent them to prison and all that. But for the rest of their lives, my grandmother, my aunt, and my uncle were worried every single day that they were going to get out of prison or they were going to be released and they were going to come and get them. They assumed the worst that could happen. And they literally lived in misery wondering when, not if, that was going to happen. We can't live like that. You can't live in that kind of misery assuming the worst. The next thing leads right into it. Worry about everything. Elbows will start flying here in a second. Worry about everything. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. My other grandmother was the world champion warrior. She used to sit up at night, late at night. Her little kitchen window across the field, I could see it. The light would be on in the window. And she would not turn that light out and go to bed until she heard the door of my car shut. It was terrible to be loved that much. It used to make me so mad that she would wait up for me like that. Oh, worry is taking responsibility for things that you can't control. So why worry about it? Why worry? Jesus said, don't do it. If you do, you'll be miserable. Complain about everything is the next one. Complain. Be a complainer. Are you a whiner? Are you a whiner? You just complain about everything that nobody's doing it your way and your way is always the best way and and everybody's wrong but you. You're miserable. You're miserable if you live that way. Embrace your insecurities. Live in the warmth of your insecurities, always worried about what someone else thinks about you. Some people are miserable because they're so worried about what someone else thinks about them. Don't do that. If if you are living your life by the word of God and you have a small group of people around you helping you hold you accountable, forget what everybody else thinks. Hang them. Forget what they think. Don't live that way where you're allowing what somebody else thinks to control what you think about yourself. Don't be nice. Be angry all the time. Just walk around with a scowl on your face. Never smile like, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Not going to say it. Just, Just be miserable and make everybody else around you miserable by being angry. Never give to God. All the money you have is yours. You worked for it. It's your money. As far as giving to the church or this thing, disaster relief, let somebody else do it. Let somebody with more money than you do that. Deny yourself the privilege of being a cheerful giver, of enjoying giving to others. Don't thwart the blessing of God because if you do, You'll be miserable. Refuse to tell others about Jesus. The Great Commission is just for those with the gift of evangelism, right? Let them do it. If somebody goes to hell, it's their problem. It's not mine. I haven't been given the gift of evangelism. You live like that, you'll be miserable. Tell somebody about Jesus. There's no joy like it than someone bowing their head and saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Have the courage and believe the Holy Spirit is working through them to make that difference. Never read God's word. I've already got what I need from the Bible. Deny yourself the joy of of God's word speaking to you. And you know what? You, You never get enough. As you get older, 
Your life is going to change, and the Word of God will become more and more relevant to you. Passages, passages you read 10 years ago will mean something different to you now. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's always relevant. Don't deny yourself the joy of God speaking to you through His Word. And the last thing is this. Don't pray. If you want to be miserable, don't pray. Don't ever talk to your Creator. Just say, oh, I don't have time. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because Satan wants to undermine your ability to enjoy that time with God. Roll out of the rack just a few minutes earlier and spend time in the word and prayer. When should we pray? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we are to pray without ceasing. I brought something for you today if you want to come pick these up. These are marbles. Just put a marble in your pocket. And every time you touch it, pray for three things. Just have three things you pray for. Let me tell you something. Watch God work. Watch God work. Or maybe you've got something at home. It's a, it's a precious keepsake to you, something that, that you love. Put that in your pocket every time you touch it. You're going to the store or whatever it is. Just let it remind you to pray. And you list those three things and you just send up an arrow prayer to God. But you just stay in communion. Stay in touch with him. The reasons we pray. Oops, give me thanks. Wow. Oops, give me thanks. Wow. The first one is oops. We all have a, any, all of us have oops in here. We all mess up. Just me. Okay. We all have oops. We all have things that we need to ask forgiveness for. Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, I was wrong. Lord, I made a mistake. I need to go make that right. We all have oops in our lives, and, and we need to correct that. We need to make it right. But you say, wait a second. If I accept Christ as my Savior, then aren't my sins forgiven past, present, and future? Absolutely. That has to do with relationship. That is secure. It's not once saved, always saved. It's if saved, always saved. If, if you've asked Christ to come into your heart, your security is in him. His finished work on the cross is enough. It's what he's done. It's not what you can do. But why do we pray to ask forgiveness? Why do we confess our sins? It's because of our fellowship with him. Our fellowship with him is undermined when we sin. And so we go to him to get that cleaned up. This is, I'll give you this example. Adam and Eve. After they had sinned and God came into the garden, what did they do? They ran and hid, didn't they? They ran and hid because they were ashamed, something they had never felt before. And that's what we do. The last thing we want to do when we've sinned is go to God. Because why? Because we're ashamed. And our fellowship with him has been disrupted. And we need to restore that. And so that's why we confess our sins to him. That's the oops. Then gimme. Gimme, 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 gimme. Want that red Corvette, Lord. Want that boat. Lord, you said ask, seek, and knock. I'm doing it. If all you ever do is gimme, 
Or if it's just always in a crisis, if that's the only thing that drives you to prayer, then you're missing out on the beauty of just having communion with God. You're missing out on the essence of having a rhythm of a life of prayer. Then thanks. We need to do this often, more than just at Thanksgiving every year. We need to spend time every day thanking God for the beautiful things that he has brought into our lives. Look beyond the present circumstances and look into eternity. Be a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who is grateful for your salvation and you constantly say, thank you, Lord, for what you've provided for me. And then, wow. Wow. So much beauty all around us that God has given us his creation. Romans 1 tells us this. Since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, mankind can clearly see, get this, God's invisible qualities, even his eternal power and divine nature. Once in a while, just look around at this incredible world he's created and say, wow, you are almighty God and you Know and love me. Make time in your life to say, wow. Well, where should we pray? Matthew chapter 6 tells us, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret. That's key right there. Who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, what is the reward that Jesus is talking about that? Is it the Cor- Corvette or is it something else? You're going to get that? He's going to reward you? The reward is the communion with God. There are times when we will answer our prayers. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the reward is the greatest gift of all. It's communion with him because it's a glimpse of eternity. That's what that is. It's a glimpse of eternity of what we will have when we are with him forever. It tells us that we should pray privately without ceremony or recognition. Often when someone asks me to pray, I'll just mention thoughts. Would you pray about this? Would you pray about that? Rather than trying to come up with some eloquent prayer, give other people the opportunity to think. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I tune out when somebody else is talking. Don't try to come up with something eloquent. Notice the winds in this section. When they are not ifs. Jesus expects his followers to pray. If we are to be fully devoted followers of Christ, we should practice the discipline of prayer. It's not if you pray. It's an expectation that we will pray. Well, how should we pray? Humbly. Look at this one from Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's given us instruction. 
This is how you should pray, he said. Humbly, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, your great name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, relying on him. Forgive us our debts, knowing that we're going to be indebted to people we offend. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is how we should pray, humbly recognizing that God is the giver and the forgiver. Then persistently, this is our passage for today. Ask the present imperative. Keep on asking and it will be given you. Keep on seeking and you will find and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And then the illustration. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, he knows us, doesn't he? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If you could do that, how much more will God do for you? Now, let's address this. Net Bible, I love this statement from the Net Bible. It says, the teaching as a whole stresses not that we get everything we want. Not that we get everything we want, but that God gives what we need. When the elders are praying over someone who comes to us, maybe they've got cancer or maybe they've got some other calamity happening in their life and we pray over them, we anoint them with oil, we always assure them that we're not presuming God's will for their lives as we pray for them. We shouldn't presume that God is just going to do whatever we ask. D.A. Carson said this, what is fundamentally at stake is man's picture or perception of God. God must not be thought of as a reluctant stranger who can be cajoled or bullied into bestowing gifts or as a malicious tyrant who takes vicious glee in the tricks he plays or even as an indulgent grandfather who provides everything requested kingdom who graciously and willingly bestows the good gifts of the kingdom in answer to prayer. You know, a few years ago, I had this thought when I was contemplating this. When I arrive at the place where all I want is all that God desires for me, it is there that I find true peace and contentment. When all I want is all that God wants for me. And we have to come to that place of spiritual maturity when it's not that the things, the things of the world that entice us. They're all, all just toys not the things of the world, but it's what God wants for us. God is not a short order cook at the Waffle House where they ring the bell and somebody cooks it and they come out and put it on your plate. He's not a short order cook. We need to want from God what God wants for us. Who should pray? Well, we've already said, but I repeat for emphasis, Jesus expects us to pray. If we are to be fully devoted followers of Christ, we should be faithful in prayer. And we should be consistent in the sincerity, the discipline, and rhythm of our prayer lives. 
and we should be persistent. Persistent in lifting up needs and requests before him. God's not going to get tired of hearing from you. Eusebius was an early church historian. And in some of his writings, he quoted another historian before him, whose name was Hegesippus. Hegesippus lived in the time right after the apostles died. And he was a chronicler and historian of the early church. And so he knew many of them. And he knew people who knew them. And when he wrote about James, he called him Camel Knees because that was his nickname. Old Camel Knees. You know why they called him Camel Knees? Well, Hegesippus and all his chronicles are gone. They're lost to us now. But the reason he called him Camel Knees is because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer. And his knees were literally calloused like a camel's. You know, I read that the other day, and I looked down at my knees, and they don't look too good, but they're not all calloused up from praying. They need to be more calloused. Because James is a good example to us. So, a couple of things. 15 minutes a day. That's 1% of your day. If you're not spending that regular time every day with God, is it too much to ask to do 1%? I don't think so. You can roll out of the rack that much sooner and open the word of God and pray and speak to him and ask him to speak to you and through you throughout the day. Or maybe it's at night, whatever the best time is for you. And your schedule changes. Sometimes you might have to move it around. But spend time with him every day. Because you see, in prayer, it's not that we get more of God. It's that God gets more of us. You can't get any more of God. But God needs more of you and me. He wants more of you and me. That's just how he operates. And then there's a prayer template. I have a prayer template that I use. Um, There's a QR code on the screen if you want to snag that. But I have a template that I use. I have to have something to keep me focused. I'm just a little bit ADHD. And so if I just start praying and talking, it's squirrel, and I can be totally gone. And never remember. So I have to have a list there that I check. And I use my pen to mark things as I read and I pray. Uh, You can find this prayer uh, template here. Or you can go to our website, fellowshipnwa.org forward slash prayer template. And you'll find it there. Create your own. Just use that. Some ideas. I have an opening prayer that I start with every day. The same prayer. And then the list changes. I pray for our elders. I pray for my community group. I pray for people I know who are ill. I pray for our global workers. You just go through the list. I pray for you and some of your children every day, things that you have mentioned to me. But we need to have, I need to have a prayer template. And if you want to use that, it's right there. On the Ride Home podcast that I do, uh, I just interviewed Greg Pruitt again. Uh, His book, Extreme Prayer. I'm interested. How many of you have read this little book? Oh, several of you have. You need to get a copy of this, Extreme Prayer. It's a great book on prayer. And uh, Greg, um, he does a fantastic job. But he's, he said in the podcast, and you can find the Ride Home podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. 
Uh, Robert Cup, Nick Rowland, and I are in the middle of doing a series on the end times right now, but I'm going to interrupt it this week. This will drop on Wednesday, and also the book will come out this week, but it's called Extraordinary Hearing. Greg said he realized after finishing this book that he'd left out some things, and so he added extraordinary hearing, listening to God in this book, and I would encourage you to pick up a copy. Richard Foster has an incredible book on prayer. Read that a long time ago. Uh, Tim Keller has a book on prayer. The late Tim Keller. Beautiful book. Make, he'll make you think uh, as you contemplate prayer. And then my favorite of all uh, is just a little thin book by a, a monk. His name was Brother Lawrence. The book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence talks about not just having a particular time of day where you pray, but you pray throughout the day. You learn to pray all the time. Just talk to God. Just be in the presence of God. Because you know what? We behave when we're in the presence of God. We need Him every hour of every day. And if you do that, whether it takes a marble or something else, to just spend time with God in His presence every day, you will find your life changed. Watch him work. Watch him work. Let's pray together. Take a moment to contemplate your prayer life, would you? Take a moment to think through what you need to do next. Ask the Lord to remind you. Maybe to wake you up earlier. Thank Him for never turning His face away when you call His name. He is good. Oh.
I draw near to you, God. Would you draw near to me? Teach me to pray. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening.
That's why we're here this morning. It's to seek and find God's face. That's why we go to him in prayer. To seek and find God's face. We were just talking in the back, actually, as we were listening to Mickey. Um, that that's the point of the whole thing. When we're thinking about our needs, we should be thinking about Christ and his sufficiency. And He, all those other things will be added to us. And so um, this week as we head into this rhythm, and we hope that you'll take us up on practicing these things outside of Sundays, uh, this is the primer for your week. Um, as we, we look to it and you, as you open the book, you'll see that this week is on prayer and meditation. Now, don't get freaked out by the word meditation. Uh, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You're just meditating on the wrong things. Jesus invites us to lift our eyes off of the circumstances, off of the troubles, not to ignore them, but to look to him and trust his sufficiency in them. And so as we meditate for the Christian, for the Christ follower, that means that we meditate on who God is, what his word reveals his character to be like, his promises, all of that. That is what we're meditating on. And uh, one of our worship pastors, Pat Anderson, uh, was meditating on Psalm 27. And he wrote this song that we're going to sing throughout the rest of this series. Um, and it's, it was really based in this Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So we're going to teach this song to you and we'll be singing it in the weeks ahead. So listen and learn and worship and pray along with us as we sing.
So as we leave this place this morning, may we leave meditating on who God is, uh, his goodness, his presence in our lives, his leading. May we look to him um, as we head into this week. Let's engage that rhythm of prayer and meditation on God's word, prayer and meditation on God's word. I encourage you, go ahead and be thinking about it. If you haven't yet, when am I going to do that this week? When are, my, when are my pockets? When's my 15 minutes at least, right, Nikki? Um, think about that, and uh, we're going to head out from here. But before we do, I want to make known um, our prayer team down here, the Grosses. Um, they faithfully intercede for you every week. You don't even know it, and they're praying for you, and their team is praying for you. And so if you, if you have prayer requests, prayer needs this morning, someone you just want to go to the Lord with you, um, that's their joy. They want to do that. So take them up on that. If you're new uh, or visiting this morning, we're so glad that you were here with us. Um, and, we, and we hope that you were able to connect with people around you. Um, we love you, Fellowship Bentville. Have a great week. Go with God.